Welcome to Sunday Sermons from the Williamsburg Community Chapel, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. Let's open up to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, as Rich Sylvester brings us the second part to his message titled, Fix Our Eyes on Jesus' Warnings About Money. through your mind when you're sunbathing in Virginia Beach and you see one of those guys with a metal detector walk by. You know, one of those guys swinging his arm back and forth. He's got the headphones on. His skin is sort of browned and leathery from the sun. I I don't know if it's actually leathery. I just sort of imagine it. I've never gone and touched one of the guys if they've walked by. But what do you think when this happens? I tell you what I think. I get jealous. I get excited. I want to grab one of my kids' plastic shovels and bucket, and I want to run up to one of those guys and say, I'm here to help. I want to find one of those diamond rings. I want to dig with you and and find one of those coins from an ancient shipwreck in the Atlantic that is washed ashore. Man, I'd even love to find two shiny quarters. I just, I get so excited Sometimes I tell Susie that one day when I retire, I just want to be those, one of those guys that walks the beach with a metal detector. She assures me she will never let that happen. But I don't have to let that happen because my youngest son, Tucker, he loves to treasure hunt. And so two Christmases ago, I got him a metal detector. And not just one of those kid metal detectors. No, I got him the real deal metal detector. That morning on Christmas, I had even buried coins throughout the backyard so that after he opened it up and we put those batteries in it, he could go in the backyard and hear that wonderful sound, boop, 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 when he'd hit something metal and he'd dig a hole and find a coin and be so excited about treasure hunting. And I'll tell you the truth, we found mostly cans and bottle tops and old nails We did find a few horseshoes in our community park, but we really haven't found much of value. A few spare coins that fell out of people's pockets on Jamestown Beach. But regardless, we're having fun. And everything that Tucker finds, he brings home, he scrubs it down, he washes it off, and no matter how ridiculous a piece of rusty metal it may be, he calls it his treasure. We love treasure hunting. And as we read scripture, we find that the reality is, is that we're all treasure hunters. We're all hunting treasure. We're all hunting after something that will satisfy us to the core. We're all hunting after something that will give us meaning or make us feel good. We're hunting after something that'll make us feel important or successful. And this treasure hunting can take on all sorts of forms. We can seek after approval or praise. We can look for security and control. We can look for importance. These are all treasures. And we are all treasure hunters. But of course, Jesus has something to say about this. 
We're going to continue in our series, Jesus and Everyday Life, looking at how the gospel, God's word, Jesus Christ, moves and works in our lives so that we live out in very practical ways the truth of scripture in our lives. Last week, we looked at materialism. We looked at greed. We looked at how inside of all of us, there is this insatiable desire for more. And this week, we'll continue to look at the practical realities as we consider our relationship to money and materialism again. Because that's a very obvious treasure that we go hunting after in our lives. When we opened up my son's metal detector on Christmas, there were several pieces of paper inside There was the operating manual. It was pretty easy to figure out or how to put the batteries in it so that it would turn on. We got to all of that. But then there was this other piece of paper and it was entitled Metal Detectors Etiquette or the Code of Conduct for Metal Detecting. I must say I chuckled a little bit when I grabbed this piece of paper. I didn't know that there was etiquette to how to use your metal detector or some sort of code of conduct. But as my son and I read through it, it made sense. Don't trespass on somebody's property with your metal detector. Always get permission from the landowner. Be respectful of the landowner. If you get to a place and you're treasure hunting, don't jump in front of somebody who's already there and steal all their treasure before they can get to it. And of course, the greatest piece of treasure hunting etiquette, fill in your holes. I'm still working on this with my son. Between him and the dog, my backyard looks like it has a trench warfare system going through it. There's etiquette to treasure hunting And I think if we look at these verses today in this passage, that maybe we could entitle this Jesus' etiquette to treasure hunting. Jesus' treasure hunting etiquette for all of us. The first is this. Jesus says you have to see the true treasure. You have to see the true treasure Read with me. I'm going to be in verse 22 and 23. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Now, I have to admit, as I read these two verses, sandwiched between these clear subject matter of money and materialism and wealth, I go, how does this have anything to do with materialism? How does this have to do with treasure hunting? Jesus says your, your eyes are what help you see, and if there's light, you can see, and if there's not, you can't. But if your eyes are broken, it doesn't matter how much light there is. See, Jesus is saying that when it comes to seeking true treasure, it's a vision problem. That greed, as we talked about last week, can can cause us to not see things straight, to not navigate the world correctly and ultimately not even to see the sin of materialism in our own lives. In a few chapters, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is going to tell two really short parables 
on treasure hunting. They're going to come up on the screen for you. The first is going to be, it's only a, a one-verse parable. 13, chapter 13, verse 44, Jesus says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Jesus then tells another short parable in the next two verses. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, a few years ago, I preached a whole sermon on these two parables. I think there's a lot of great stuff in there. But what I want to remind us of is that Jesus saying that when it comes to treasure hunting, it's a vision problem. For the one man, the treasure was out there in the field. Why did so many people walk by it? He found it. He covered it up. Then he went and sold all that he had so he could buy the land and have the treasure. And the merchant... The merchant has gone looking for fine pearls and when he finds one of such value, he sells all he has and he buys it. And I have to ask, why didn't the one who found the pearl in the bottom of the ocean inside a clam, why didn't he see its value? Or why didn't the merchant who was selling it see that it was of such ultimate value that he should have kept it as his own? Because when it comes to seeing true treasure... Our eyes are often blind to it. And so I believe the first step in the etiquette of treasure hunting, if we're going to see the true treasure, is that we have to do this. We have to first, we have to ask God to help us see the true treasure. We've got to say to God, hey, I don't see the world right. Can you help me see what is truly valuable and what is not that we need God to peel back the scales from our own eyes so that we can see what is really true and what really has value. I think I have a slide for this, guys. I have one other question I think we can ask. I think we can go to one of our friends, and I admit this would be pretty vulnerable, and we can ask them. Maybe it's as simple as saying, hey, am I generous? Or maybe it's a bigger question. Hey, do you feel like materialism has blinded me to seeing the true treasure and value in life? I imagine that would be a vulnerable question to ask. But I think Jesus is saying we have an eye problem. We don't see how materialism and the love of money, that insatiable desire for more that we talked about last week, we don't see how it's clouding our vision of what is truly valuable and what is not. And so we ask. and We pray that God reveals it to us. But I don't think that Jesus just says we have to see the true treasure. I think the next etiquette for Jesus' treasure hunt that he gives us is this. He says, seek the true treasure. We don't just see the true treasure. We seek the true treasure. 
It says in verse 19 and following, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says true treasure lasts. And as I consider the difference between earthly treasures and heavenly treasures, it's, it's pretty obvious how we define earthly treasures, right? Our cars eventually rust. If you grew up in the Northeast like I did, they rust a lot quicker than they do down here. Our houses deteriorate. We keep having to put money into them. Our clothes wear out. Our shoes get dirty. It's easy to figure out some of the earthly treasures that we hunt after. But I kept asking myself, what then would a heavenly treasure be? How do I lay up for myself? How do I store up for myself heavenly treasures this week, as I contemplated these things, I uh, attended a funeral of one of the members of the chapel. Many of us called him Jack. His name was Henry Jackson. And I was grateful to be able to be a part of that service that we had here. Another local pastor in town, Reverend Dr. Ron Ellis from the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, led us in a celebration of Jack's life. Yeah, he led us all and challenged us all. And even as we remember Jack for the man of prayer that he was, for the smile that he had on his face, for his welcoming attitude, he was always an usher at that door back there, if you, maybe if you don't know who he is. We will miss Jack greatly. But as the Reverend Dr. Ellis preached from this pulpit, he said this. He said, I've never seen a Brinks truck following a hearse. I've never seen a Brinks truck following a hearse. Dr. Reverend Ellis said, we can't take our material goods with us. And he said, Jack knew that. Jack knew that you couldn't take these earthly treasures with you. But he knew you could take people. He knew people could go with you to heaven. And so he recalled that Jack made sure that everyone that Jack knew knew about Jesus Christ. That when it came to earthly or heavenly treasures, people were it. That when C.S. Lewis says there are no mere mortals, we believe as Christians that when we die, we either go to heaven or we go to hell. And Jack knew that you can take people with you. And so Jack made sure that he told everyone about Jesus. And so as Jesus says that one of the code of conducts of treasure hunting is that we seek the true treasure, let me ask you this question. Who are you investing in for the kingdom? Or maybe even more plainly, who are you telling about Jesus? We spend a lot of time manicuring our lawns and keeping our cars nice. I admit, I love vacuuming out my car and keeping it nice, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if I'm spending all this energy on the things I can't take with me, the question is, am I spending energy on the people that I can? Am I telling people 
about Jesus. Jesus says, see the true treasure. Jesus says, seek the true treasure. And lastly, Jesus says this. He says we have to serve the true treasure. Jesus writes or says, and Matthew writes in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve both. It's a wild picture to think through that reality. You can't serve both God and money. In the Gospel of Mark, we read as Jesus talks to a rich young ruler, he says this afterwards. He says in Mark chapter 10, he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When I was in Israel in seminary, I I traveled there with my Hebrew professor and my Greek professor. It was a a great trip we took for three weeks. And I remember walking around the old city of Jerusalem and, and coming to some of these really large wooden gates, these giant doors that that um were at the entrance to each part of the city. And at night, the ancient city, they would, they would close those doors. But within that giant wooden door, there was a tiny little door. A door that after hours, when merchants would come back to town, they, instead of having to open the giant gates and leave the city vulnerable, they would just open this little door and the merchant would sort of step through. But if that merchant had any camels carrying their goods their sacks of things that they would trade in the stores or their food products, then they would have to unload all these things off the camel so that the camel too could sneak through the eye of the needle, they called it. That Jesus paints a picture that we can't serve both God and money. Last week we talked about the reality that to break the power that money and materialism has in our life, that one of those ways is that we give generously back to God. As I thought about this even more this week, I was reminded of our Old Testament scriptures. I was thinking through the reality that back in the day, uh, most of society was agrarian. They, They grew their crops, and the law was that as their crops, as you began to harvest your crops, you would take your first fruits, right? The first crops, the best of the first fruit, and you would bring them to the temple, the tabernacle, the priest. You would bring them as a sacrifice to God. That before you knew how good your harvest would be, before you knew how plentiful the crops would be, that when they first started producing fruit, you'd take your first fruits and you'd bring them as an offering, as a sacrifice. As a way of saying, God, I serve you. That you are my security. That you are my identity. That you are my God. That all I have comes from you. But scripture wouldn't just tell people to bring their first fruits to God. Scripture also said, and that when you do harvest your field, leave the corners untouched. Leave the corners untouched so that the the widows and the orphans 
and those in the community that don't have anything, that they too can come and, and harvest from your fields. The call to the people of Israel was to give back to God, but also give to the community generously. In scripture, we called it gleaning. And so I have two more practical questions for you this morning. And the first one is this. Are you giving back to God? This week, as I talked about this with a few of the other pastors, one of them mentioned that every time he goes to write a tithe check, he feels the spiritual battle in his life. He feels that reality of, of serving two masters. On one side, he knows that it's right and good to give back to God, to acknowledge with our first 10% that that God is our security and our stability and our identity, that all we have is his. But he feels that pull in his heart, thinking through the reality that he could do something with that 10%. But tithing of giving back to God reflects in our heart the truth that 90% of our money our way is better than 100%, or 90% of our money God's way is better than 100% of our money our way. That before we even know what the harvest will look like, we bring our first fruits to God. We also ask, are we giving generously in our community? With our time, with our resources, are we investing in people and God's kingdom? Because Jesus says you can't serve Two masters. Yes, Jesus says we are to see the true treasure. We are to seek the true treasure. We are to serve the true treasure. But the great news in all of this is this. That Jesus Christ is the best treasure hunter of them all. That Jesus Christ is the greatest treasure hunter of them all. That just like in those two short parables that we read... Just like the farmer who sold everything to have that treasure in the field. And just like the merchant who sold all he had to have that fine pearl. Jesus Christ gave up everything so that he could find us. He left his throne. He left his riches. He left his glory. And he came to earth to find us in the hole of our sin. Buried in the dirt of our brokenness. And he dug us out. And he brushed us off just like my son Tucker does. And he washed us clean and he said, you are my treasure. That the treasure that we seek, the true treasure that we see, seek and serve has been seeking us. That the true treasure that we seek has been looking for us all along. And that in him... That in Jesus Christ, we find our ultimate identity, our security, our meaning, our purpose, our joy, our peace. That the true treasure, Jesus Christ, that we seek, he's seeking us. May we, through God's power, see the true treasure. May we seek the true treasure. May we serve the true treasure, knowing that that true treasure is seeking us. Thank you for joining us today. 
Here at the Williamsburg Community Chapel, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus by meeting people wherever they are spiritually and physically. If you'd like to learn more or connect with us, follow us on social media at WCChapel757 or visit our website, wcchapel.org. Have a blessed day.